Welcome to the Trowers and Hamlin Smart Cities podcast. This episode will discuss managing privacy in a smart city. Hi, and welcome to the next podcast in our Smart City series. My name's Dan Goddard, and I'm joined by the data protection expert, Claire Wright. Claire, thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for the invitation. To kick us off, we know that data sharing and strong data corridors are a prerequisite to a successful smart city. However, obviously the increased regulation in this area has made many companies feel that actually the increased regulation is is stopping data sharing. Mm -hmm. What are your views on this? Um, I think it's a really interesting one. I think more than anything, it's about perception. Mm. So um, yes, privacy laws have changed um, in the last few years about the introduction of the GDPR and the adoption of the UK Data Protection Act. However, it being an organisational risk and the controls and measures that need to be adopted in this particular area, looking at data sharing, hasn't changed. We've had these principles, we've had these obligations for the last two decades Mm. um, as a minimum. So I think it's all about perception. If businesses and organisations don't understand the value of the data that they've got, individuals have a perception that we are using it for negative purposes or to snoop or to pry Mm. that's where we get this challenge and nervousness around the use of data data is a business critical asset it's a critical infrastructure asset as well and I think we have got to break down these barriers around this negativity both things both privacy regulations and risk if adopted the right way can have major positive Mm. benefits the whole purpose of a smart city. Where the challenges come is around understanding the origins of that data, what it's going to be used for, even the accuracy of that data up front. If we're sharing information across multiple sectors, private and public sector, we've got to ensure that there's actual value in Mm. the use of that data. So the challenge comes primarily for organisations around the speed at which technology and innovation is growing, not the regulations and the frameworks behind it. That's very static. So focusing on the individual's perception as well, um, we've got the millennials that literally came out of the womb holding a smart device and have no concept of risk whatsoever because they've never known anything different than sharing their data, clicking accept, clicking privacy terms and conditions in order to be able to use an application or uh, share photographs with one another. Then we have the pre-millennial environment where lots of our business leaders sit um, and they say we shouldn't be sharing it or it's our IPR. Why would we want to share that information? We're now handing over a valuable, exploitable asset. And I think that's the other thing. It's not an exploitable asset. Mm. It's getting the balance right between privacy and innovation. It's not one or the other. Um, so how do we manage these organisational risks? Adopt a po- positive privacy culture. Speak to people that can advise and guide you take the time to understand what it is you want to achieve and apply those controls to your innovation early in a project. Mm, Definitely. And from your experience, you've obviously seen this in a public and a private sector, Mm -hmm. but for a smart city to be successful, we need those entities to work together. We need a strong collaboration between the public and the private sector. Oh my goodness, definitely. In your experience, where do you think the appetite sits? Do you think the private sector has more appetite for, for, for managing privacy? Or do you think the public sector is still that little bit more scared than the private sector? 
I think um, where the nervousness comes in, I think there's nervousness on both parts. I think private sector are probably a little bit more proactive than uh, public sector. However, the benefits to public sector, mm. especially when you're looking at 5G and the implementation of that and, the, and smart cities, the, the benefits are far greater in the public sector than they are in the private sector. But let's look at this realistically. You need private sector organisations to work with public sectors in order to design and build applications, IoT, the, the, the future of what a smart mm. city will look like. Um, it's got to be a collaboration between the two. Definitely. Um, I think the thing is with public sector as well is that there have been so many codes of practice and frameworks written. It's a lot more alive. There are a lot more... Um, um, regulations around being open and transparent in the public sector than there ever have been in the private sector and that's probably a significant change for private sector mm. um, understanding that um, they can share uh, they don't need to to hoard information mm. or hoard data Definitely. and you've been into organizations Claire and you've shown them how they can really develop a synergy between innovation and privacy <laughs> Where, in your experience, have you seen businesses successfully balancing privacy with the technological exploitation side of things? Where have you seen that in a really good example? Okay, that's a, that's a hard one. And, and, and I did ponder because, unfortunately, we have far more significant stories about negative use of data. Naturally, yeah. And propaganda-wise, that's creating this negative and nervous society for data sharing. So it's hard to pinpoint organisations that have, because I think still think we're in that drive of innovation as well. Mm-hmm. Where I've seen it be successful, if I do it in a summary as opposed to highlighting specific technologies, is where people have adopted privacy by design and security by design early in the project life cycle. So when they're looking at what they want to deliver, what do we want to do, what is the problem, so therefore what's the solution, that they look at the value of that data asset, that they understand the regulations and control Mm -hmm. frameworks around that, that they understand that this is for the benefit of both the protection of the individual but also the protection of the business. It's not a barrier. Um, It's where senior management have embraced privacy that they understand privacy they don't see it as as a blocker as I've already said the other thing as well is about engaging subject matter expert who can advise you practically so we don't necessarily need to have the legislation verbatim um, you have to report a breach mm. within 72 hours you have to do this you have to do that they are a set of principles it's how you apply the principles and they've got to be appropriate to what you're wanting to do the other thing is is what the significant change was in the legislation. Be open and transparent. Mm-hmm. So tell people what you want to do. Run workshops. Understand from the public. Understand from all your various stakeholders. Risks, concerns, considerations, and actually get those ironed out and managed early on. But as I say, I think the key thing is um, engagement early on in project management. And that's, that's a skill change for a lot of organisations. Project management has been about delivering on an objective um, and compliance has not always been an active role within that. And you mentioned there especially the need for senior management to understand that this regulation is not red tape, so mm. to speak. It's so that they can manage and wind throughout their entire business yeah. and understand it and how it really works. If we take that into a smart city point and making mm. sure that it's also externally facing as well as internally, 
what do you see are the key privacy issues for for getting a smart city up and running? And how do we manage those risks? How do we get that knowledge into organisations? Yeah, I, I think, again, that's about learning. That's about understanding. That's about engaging the right people. I think the first thing to consider is when we are looking at the smart cities, we've got to make sure that what we want to do has a long-term purpose, um, that the... Um, technology and the equipment and the deployment of that is robust and future-proofed. Otherwise, we, if we're continually changing the purpose and the manner in which we want to use that information and the technologies of how we want to do it, we never actually fully implement a smart city. Public confidence. Um, we've, we've got to grow that. We've got to build that. Without public confidence, that's where you'll always get your challenges yeah. and your conflicts. And in order to design and build a smart city, it is for the benefit of them. And there has got to be that exposure. Engaging with the regulatory bodies as well. There's, there's always been this fear. Only go to them when things have gone wrong yeah. rather than engage them from the outset. Yeah, and there's been a nervousness around going to talk to them about what you want to do and why you want to do it. And actually, um, I mean, more recently on the WM5G project that, that I've been helping um, look at the data strategy with, we've been really open and transparent with them and said, this is what we want to do. And they've really appreciated our openness with them. And their advice and guidance has been really timely. They've been able to confirm to us that we're on the right path and that we want to do. So there are assurances to be had from working with your regulatory bodies. Mm -hmm. Corporate governance. So we keep talking about, and your original question to me was around identifying an ownership of organisational risks of which data is a business critical asset. It should be part of that risk register. If you don't understand what you want to do with this information and you don't understand its value, it's never going to work for you in a positive way. It's always going to be have negative connotations for you and your organisation. So yeah, understand it, recognise it as, as an asset. Security is is the next big thing. So that information, you may be using it for a certain purpose or a greater good, but we have also got to consider how do we protect that mm-hmm. information? And that's not just about how we protect it because we've got these frameworks and controls that that are there to protect you and I as, as, as citizens and individuals, but also about is that information going to have value in a national infrastructure impact way? So there are far broader reaching requirements that we need to consider. Understanding the origins of the data, the accuracy of the data, mentioned that before as well. And actually getting people to share their data. So... Balancing that point that it is an asset, but it, it, how it can be used for the greater, greater good, good if we're using it collaboratively to make yeah. our city smart and efficient for urban use. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I think when you when you then talk about like how do you effectively manage this, that's about having due diligence controls in place, regularly reviewing what's happening, at change boards within the project, regularly reviewing the success once the project's been deployed and having the right stakeholders in the room to have that conversation. Which naturally should be now, should be business as usual for most yes. organisations. Yeah. And it's that next step, where can we really use that data yeah. to, to really exploit it and get the most of it? Because obviously there's an internal exploitation, yeah. but how do we do it in a collaborative manner to really get the most out of that yeah. data? And I think it's, it's interesting when using the word exploitation as well, Again, it's all it, it has a negative connotation. Excuse me, connotation. Exploit. It implies that we're going to do something yeah. inappropriate with it, or that may breach our privacy. Mm. And actually, what we're saying is, going back to the point, we're looking to utilise this data for the greater good. Yeah. Um, and I think as long as we keep that at the forefront of our minds, 
wherever we are in the life cycle of, of the deployment of Smart City, then I don't think you can go far wrong. Do you think we as professionals have to really sell that message as well, that it's privacy and managing privacy shouldn't be seen as a, you must do this because of what could go wrong. It's actually switching that message. The, the regulations have been in for a long time. The difference between the old regulations yeah. and the new regulations aren't that different. How do we go out to the business community and show how you can really use these regulations and it should be business as usual but I think we have to play a part in that as definitely, well. Definitely, definitely. I think there's got to be a real shift change and let's reflect on why we've got the, why GDPR was brought together. Let's not coordinate uh, 20 plus European legislations that have been written out of a directive and let's modify that, let's simplify that and let everybody work to the same rules and conditions. Um, so it was about making legislation easier, but definitely there's an educational piece. And I think as, like you say, um, advisors and guiders in that environment, yeah, we do, we do need to go and teach and promote the positive message around privacy and controls. So Claire, the, this podcast has been on managing privacy in a smart city, but if we were to round it up and really get your views on what are your hopes for the West Midlands when it comes to really advancing the technology and the innovation sector that we have growing in this area? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a really exciting space. Um, for me, I am a self-confessed data geek. Um, <laughs> I love to understand how data can be, how can, how it can be used, how it can be utilised, manipulated even. Um, I think we're sat on a bit of a, an asset gold mine and, and we're not utilising yeah. it. We're, we make lots of complaints in our everyday life as citizens to say, why can this not work better? Why why can't we commute through our city a lot quicker? Why can't we get a doctor's appointment far earlier? There's there's multiple different things that that it can be used for the greater good. I think the West Midlands has already shown a passion and a commitment to technological innovation um, through its awards of many um, prestigious accolades and contracts. The the um, obviously the, the games. I think. Working together, so this goes back to your original point. Working together, both private sector and public sector. Um, we can achieve a lot. I think we've got to be open to those conversations. Um, I think we've got to be open to utilise that data. And I think we've got to look at removing this nervousness, which was the original question at the beginning. So it's a dynamic and thriving, innovative city. You've got your universities that have their own um, projects and um, innovation hubs. Um, And I think we embrace that. We engage that. Um, we wouldn't have been awarded the accolades that we have if we weren't going to be able to deliver. So it's going to be really interesting just to sit back and see what evolves over the next couple of years. And watch this place. Definitely. Claire, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at trowers.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.